vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs were often adapting to a new reality. This new podcast series from Vegan Mainstream is an opportunity to help you when it's time to pivot. These interviews will come from inside and outside of our community, and I hope as your host, Stephanie Redcross West, I can inspire you and give you the tools that you need to move forward. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another one of our amazing interviews. I really get excited about our guests because not only do we get to meet so many different types of people, but also in today's situation, I get to reconnect. I get to reconnect with someone that I've actually known for years. And I'm excited today to talk about Drina's journey, talk about Drina's new book, and also talk about the community and really the legacy that Drina has built, not only for her business and her brand, but for many of us in the vegan community. Some of you out there probably recognize Drina, maybe even have a book on your shelf that you can grab and have these amazing memories about how she supported you through your vegan transformation, your journey, or maybe some of you out there are going to be discovering Drina for the first time today. I think this is going to be such a fun interview because we're going to be not only catching up, but talking about not only this amazing new cookbook that is out, but also talking about the journey, the experience. And I think for many of us, it's been an interesting couple of years, but it's also wonderful to sit down with individuals who've been in the vegan movement for a long time and have that perspective on how it's changed, how it's evolved, and how they've been instrumental in it. So without further ado, let me officially um, introduce my guest, Drina Burton. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Uh, Thank you, Stephanie. It's a delight, right? So many years have passed, but it feels like, you know, we were just chatting a couple of months ago. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's one of the wonderful things about our community, about our mission and about kind of the way we've all kind of maybe grown up in this community that we've all been really pushing forward to really educate and bring understanding, knowledge, and also help people understand how accessible this Mm. lifestyle is to everyone. So do you want to maybe talk about or walk us down memory lane Mm. when you're thinking about all the cookbooks that you've done, think about where you started and where you are today, you know, maybe just catch up our readers on just the amazing contributions you've made over the years. And then we'll dive into the new cookbook and some of the exciting things about it. Sure. That's so kind. Thank you. So yeah, it's been a while. Like I've been writing cookbooks since, well, I've been writing before 2000. Um, My first book came out in 2001, but you know, I was writing that cookbook before then. And as you know, it was a very unknown time for being vegan in the world. We were considered kind of radical. (laughs) I liked that now someone said to me, I was doing a um, cooking spot on TV and someone said, hey, you were vegan before. It's cool. (laughs) And I was like, yep, I remember that. (laughs) Because then it was considered very, very fringe, right? And it wasn't a welcoming place to be. And we had no social media. So resources were limited. It was very old school. Go to a book. (laughs) Thank heavens for pioneers like Brenda Davis and Vicente Molina becoming vegan and John Robbins. And 
Dr. Campbell and, you know, people who put a lot of work out there early on to help us, people like me who, you know, didn't have the scientific background to feel very confident in the choice from a health perspective, and then to learn more about the environmental and ethical perspectives along the way as well, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, my first cookbook came out in 2001, and it was called The Everyday Vegan. And it was very, if you look at the cover now, it's funny, it, it just brings me back because it's this little veggie man that we we compiled the image on the floor with, you know, leeks for a chef's hat and garlic bulbs. And it looks so vegan of the day, right? It doesn't look fresh yes. and modern. It, it, it looks kind of fringe and, and um, a little old school. But when that book came out, there, I think were, there was maybe another two or three books on the market that were vegan. That's all. It was very, very limited. And, you know, it came out, but it didn't really hit, from a business perspective, it didn't really hit where vegan was at the time, which was a little more reverent. And to be kind of fun and 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 offbeat and and that kind of like rock star kind of vibe, right? My work came out and it was kind of healthy. <laughs> Heaven forbid. <laughs> the recipes were were more wholesome, and so it it didn't really get embraced as some of the other books were at the time. But I still believed in my work and I loved my work and was passionate to keep creating. So I did. And I wrote Vive La Vegan was my second book, which came out in, I think it was 2000. I, I lose track. I think it was 2004. Okay. And that was just after having our first daughter. And that book, I included a lot more information about, you know, starting to raise a family and what that meant being vegan and what considerations perhaps you needed to look at and introducing food to little little ones. So there was a period of time with every book I had a, a baby. <laughs> and I gave that up. <laughs> yes, after three. So uh, that one actually was with the birth of our second daughter, Bridget, that came okay. out. And then there was Eat, Drink and Be Vegan, which was kind of like a celebratory book, like, hey, here's, here's what you can, you know, serve for parties. And look at all the different cuisines that you can tap into eating vegan. And there's a whole hummus chapter in that book, you know, for everyone who wants to explore lots of flavor variations. And that book was pretty well received. It was the best, uh, I think was the, you know, the most popular of the three, perhaps because it kind of, the title was catchy. It had some food photos in there. Not all recipes were photographed, which is a big change now in writing cookbooks, you see a photograph yeah. for every recipe. And then I almost stopped because I was really loving my work and wanted to keep doing it, but I was making very little money and I was raising children and it was hard, but something inside of me wanted to continue to write. So my next book was Let Them Eat Vegan. And then my, that was with the birth of our no, our third daughter was born after Eat, Drink, and Be Vegan. And then Let Them Eat Vegan. Um, after that, I wrote Plant Powered Families, and I switched publishers. And that was a big, big deal for me. Um, mm -hmm. I had switched publishers for Let Them Eat Vegan, and then I switched again to a different publisher for Plant Powered Families. And they did a beautiful job on that book. And mm -hmm. I think combined with the theme of the book and the timing was very good. People were interested in 
in food for families and and how to you know work with kids who are picky eaters and going to parties as vegans how do you do that how do you have a birthday party how do you plan school lunches and all of those components so that book was very well received that's been my most popular to date except now with the release of Drina's Kind Kitchen and I, we use the same publisher and they did again a beautiful job with that book. So for sure, a lot has changed from sort of the content of the book, but also how the book was designed and, and how it is visually received by the reader. My own confidence in my work as well and getting paid a little bit <laughs> along the way. Yeah, which is so key. I think a lot of times when we you know, start out on these journeys, especially like we've been talking about, you know, way back in the day, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of us started because we were just inspired. We weren't necessarily thinking about, I'm running a business, you know, if I'm running a business, how should I be compensated? You know, we weren't necessarily pulling out the spreadsheets. So it's really interesting as we've all kind of grown over the years and all of us have started to realize that this can be something that actually generates revenue. This can be something that can build, be built into a business. What was your big aha moment as you started to discover that or navigate those, those mm. waters? It was talking to some other people in the field, some other authors and some other creators and being at a, a conference one year and a friend that I had met online and we were just discussing and she was saying, you know, people make a lot of money with blogging and royalties with their books. And I'm like, really? (laughs) How does that happen? Uh, Because with my first book, and and, you know, you can't expect, I think, in the time that I released that first book, and also not having any experience, blogging was not out in the world. So to me, I didn't expect a huge advance or, or, you know, to have that commitment from a publisher early on. But my royal, my advance for that book was $1,000. And, uh, you know, you hear now of advances from publishers being quite large. And then my second book was 1500. (laughs) And my third book was 2000. So I was just like climbing up there just a little bit. And advances are just basically against your royalties anyhow. But you know, a book can be very successful. But it also can, you know, just be really a limb of what you're doing. So if you're writing content online and and blogging and and you're on social media and maybe you're consider yourself more of an influencer sometimes your book is a limb of what you're doing and not the major revenue source because it's it is quite hard for it to be the major revenue source really unless you you sell a lot a lot of copies and so definitely a, a learning process and then when i i was speaking with those friends, I realized, I think it's time to switch publishers, which I did for Let's Meet Vegan. And they certainly did a better job in terms of giving an advance and and accounting and, and paying royalties on time. However, they did a very poor job with the quality of the book. And then that was very important to me. So that's why I switched publishers again. So I think it was around that time. And I started to think, hey, I really need to learn how to focus my blog work to be a little bit more of a business approach as well, which is really hard to do when you're a creative person and you just want to share information, kind of putting on that hat of like, well, I should also earn money from this is hard, especially I think as you would know as well in the vegan community, sometimes you are um, approached by people who just want to use that angle of, but you're compassionate, you should want to share this. 
you know? Yes. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing to balance because mm-hmm. we don't want to keep the information from our community. You know, we want to help, but I think there's been some great mind shift that's been happening. And, and also there's still some more work that yeah. needs to be done, but helping people understand that what we want to do is create these kind of vegan economies. We want to create this environment where the money that we make, the money that we spend really comes from this ecosystem that supports our beliefs. Yeah. Because if we have to do everything kind of in the speak vegan space that we have to give away, yes. then that requires people to have to work other positions, other jobs, and some of those positions can conflict. So a lot of times I help people kind of see the world a little bit differently or see this kind of vegan, not only life, but this vegan professional track as a way for us to really make sure that our professions, our skills are applied to the things that matter to us, that matter to our ethics and the things that we're trying to change in the world. Mm, so beautifully said and, and a perspective I never really thought of before that really we are, you know, helping one another and perhaps can shift out of something that is really not congruent with our beliefs in doing so. Yeah, absolutely. And then also, even when I think about you using this book, not only to get your message out, but also the idea that you are raising a family at the same time. You were also being very kind for many of us to get a glimpse into what it's like to bring veganism into the family. Because for many of us, we felt like the trailblazers in our family. We felt like the people kind of coming in and trying to convince our family, but we didn't necessarily have a lot of people to look to, to say, you know, what do we do with kids? Maybe like you said, picky eaters, kids Mm -hmm. that are you developing their taste buds. So it's been great to even watch you on your journey and what you shared, because I think it's helped a lot of us. And I I think that's why that compensation piece is so important is because as a community, we get so many benefits from writers, from authors, from bloggers. And we have to remember that we should compensate people for that because that benefit can be just an amazing impact on our families and our communities. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's easy as someone that is more creatively minded to discount that, right? And to want to help. And I've been in that place many times where, where I feel I just want to share that information or I just want to share that product with people. So I don't need that company to pay me to share that information. I just want to share it. And sometimes I do. It really depends on the situation. If it's, uh, you know, a, a small startup or someone that I know and I really want to support them. But a lot of times it's it's a mind shift that is required to say, you know, this is important too. And when you are valuing yourself in that regard, it does change your output. And it, it it's like this reciprocal thing that goes on. It's like something energy-wise, you're telling people and 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 the world out there that you're worth it. And then yes. good things come back to you. Absolutely. So if anybody's listening right now, I hope this struck a chord. I hope this is, you know, doing something to you, get your, your, you know, goosebumps coming up where you're thinking about or realizing that you're worth it. You are absolutely worth being compensated for what you do and your contribution 
um, to our community. I just wanted to say hello really quick. Gloria stopped by and said, hey, y'all. So I just wanted to shout out Gloria for, for joining us today. So let's talk about the book itself. Let's talk about the sure. new book. It's so exciting, I think, when you you know, have something new on the horizon and announcing it. So do you want to give everyone a little bit of insight into the book, maybe even grab it, show yeah, it to everyone? Yeah, yeah. So you know, if you're looking for it in a store or online, they can recognize it right away. Yeah, yeah. And I mentioned Plant Powered Family. So that was, I have that one too. I have some, my own stickies. I put my own stickies in my books. Yes, I have one. <laughs> <laughs> I should grab it out the closet. <laughs> And so um, with that book, it was just really beautifully produced, a photo for every recipe, which nowadays is critical. Uh, People want to see the images of the recipes. And years ago, as we know, if we look at cookbooks from like the 70s or 80s or 90s even, they didn't have photos. Uh, But now it's very, very expected by the consumer. They want to see it. So this is the new book. It's Drina's Kind Kitchen. I always have to shift. (laughs) I'm always going the opposite direction that I need to. And it came out August 24th. And similar to Plant Powered Families, the publisher uh, did beautiful production with lots of color photos. And chapters are all Mm -hmm. color-coded. And... The recipes themselves are very, I like to say, accessible to people. So they're wholesome, they're healthy recipes, whole foods recipes. But, you know, over my years of cooking, especially with with the kids, I, you know, there was a time I wanted to have a lot of different steps and try to finesse things and finish it with this and saute these ingredients. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, it's all got to get into a casserole dish. (laughs) Or into the food processor so I can then make patties to make burgers, like not so many steps. So I've learned to kind of streamline my own uh, methods and I share that in the book. So in addition to the recipes, I offer a very comprehensive FAQ section that people tend to ask about recipes and ingredients. Like, can I freeze burgers? Can I freeze hummus? What can I substitute for this ingredient? Or, you know, do um, white beans substitute for cashews? And those questions that come up quite often. Uh, And then I also prep people with kind of my behind the scenes. Like when I go to the grocery store and bring home a lot of produce, I get it washed, most of it very quite soon, like almost immediately so that I have it ready to use in recipes and snacking. So I walk people through my process, like I get my groceries, this is what I do, batch cook these types of ingredients, so they're ready for the recipes and also ready just for easy meals. Because you know, as much as I love recipes, most of us just need to get food on the table. And it's not always about a recipe, right? Sometimes it's about pulling those components together, throwing on a good sauce, and you've got a dinner or a lunch or whatever it is. So I offer all of that in the book as well, and lots of nut free options. And, um, you know, just trying to make it, again, accessible to a lot of people, because over the years, I've had people say, you know, I love this, but I can't have nuts. And so I'm like, I'm making that for you. I'm making a cheesecake that is oil free and also nut free. And it's because you, you know, and that's what I've done. (laughs) That is, that's really wonderful. Because I do think people are really trying to figure out how to not just do vegan decadence or, you know, do items that are, you know, flourished. And those are great. I love doing it. And, you know, I love sometimes, you know, you know, when I have time to do that as well, but the practical side of it is key. And I think for many of us, as we're trying to eat healthier, 
as we're saying that, hey, we're on this journey to make sure that we're getting the nutrients that Mm -hmm. we need. One of our challenges is how do we do it in our busy lifestyles? Mm -hmm. How do we do it when, you know, sometimes we're not eating at the exact same time every day or we run out of time or we get caught in traffic? And there's all these practical things that come into our lives that can impact our goal of eating healthy. So by maybe getting some of those inside tips, getting a little bit of your approach to prepping, cleaning, batching, I think is great because I think that's some of the big barriers that many people have with eating a healthier, really just healthier food on their plate. Just getting to this, this, you know, vegan environment and plant-based lifestyle. I think a lot of times it's not just the, what do I give up? Yeah. But it's the idea of practically, can I get this done? Can I really manage all of this? And will I feel like, you know, at the end of the night, I'm just exhausted on the couch? (laughs) Right. Or can I, you know, can the, can cooking be something that nourishes me, not necessarily something that exhausts me? Yeah. Because not everyone enjoys it, right? I mean, I love to cook and bake, but not everyone loves it. And so for those people, you need to really help shape solutions that are very manageable day to day. And when you think about where people are coming from, if they've not been eating vegan, you know, all of the quick fix solutions have been designed around uh, a meat centric diet, right? So yes, uh, most frozen meals are, I mean, it's, it's changed, right? In the last five years, especially, we've seen a big explosion in plant-based options in the frozen food section, and even takeout and being able to order whatever you want to get at, at a local restaurant or something. But for the most part, and in terms of, you know, economical options, most have been designed around that. Uh, models. So when someone's coming from a non-vegan diet, they have to then mostly learn how to cook again, because they've probably been doing all those meals or ordering out. And sometimes it's not so much their resistance to eating more plant-based foods, but they just want to know how to cook simply. So maybe they don't even know how to make rice or bake a potato and know that it's really easy to batch cook both of those items and sweet potatoes and make meals really quickly. Uh, so it's kind of like a return to the kitchen for a lot of people, which can be very daunting. And if the recipe seems very complicated, it really just throws them off too. Absolutely. And I think sometimes, you know, when we hear that, like, what do you mean you don't know how to batch cook rice or, you right. know, a sweet potato? I think sometimes we have to kind of check ourselves a little bit because. Mm-hmm. We forget that many of us really can build certain habits and move so far away from maybe what we used to do. Or in some cases, you know, there's just so much convenience these days. There's so many Mm -hmm. items that we can grab through a drive-thru. There are just so many ways that we can eat fast and sometimes eat too fast so we're not getting the nutrients that it is a little bit of rewiring ourselves. It is a little bit of thinking through, you know, what do we want to eat? What do you want to stock? What do we cook first and second? And it's not necessarily hard. It's really something where it's an adjustment. And in our fast-paced world these days, we have a hard time adjusting, even if it's something that's good for us. And even if something that may even be easier in the long run, it's yes. that transition that creates the rub. It's that yeah. it's that period of going from the old to new, I think also that can create that challenge for a lot of people. 
it's the change, right? And really the only constant in life is change. We're always changing. But I I have to remind myself sometimes because like you say, when you've been doing this for a while, it seems commonplace, right? It seems easy. It seems just life. It's just life. It's easy. Diet's not complicated anymore. It's just how you live. But for anybody coming into it, it is quite an overwhelm. And uh, so I try to remind myself that you know, people often don't know those things. Like what seems very simple and obvious to me is not necessarily obvious. And I also remind myself of once we were, um, when my husband and I were first renting uh, where we live, we were renting a condo and we moved right next door in our building. And there was a man who'd been living there for six months. And when he moved out, he said he'd never used, like the kitchen was immaculate. He said he never used the oven, never used the stove. His fridge had coffee creamer in it. That was it. So he ate out every single day. And I remind myself of that, that some people literally have never cooked. And that might be where they're coming from. And maybe they've had a health crisis and now they know they need to. And so it's, you know, sort of compassionately welcoming them, welcoming them into that diet and showing them some easy steps that are, yeah, approachable. Absolutely. Gloria just said that, you know, she tends to cook and freeze and it's really been a lifesaver for her. So for anyone out there thinking of tips, that's definitely something to to consider. And honestly, I even have to admit, uh, I think sometimes as like vegans for years, we we sound like we have it all perfectly figured out. out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's just (laughs) so simple. I go downstairs and make such and such and such and such. But Honestly, at the end of the day, I'm exhausted and I'm so tired. I put so much brain power on my business. And sometimes I do that thing where you open the fridge and you just stare Mm. and you're like, what am I going to make? And then my mind's not on the recipes. So sometimes it takes me a while to figure out what I'm going to make. And if I'm too tired, I go sit back down and I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. Like, a night with almond butter. That's yeah, it. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, can I get something delivered? And then, you know, and then my husband will say something like, why don't you make such and such dish? And I'm like, oh yeah. Because yes. it, it wasn't in the forefront of my mind. Yeah. So therefore I couldn't grab onto it and quickly execute it. And luckily, you know, he reminded me, but I say that for everyone out there, no matter what end of the spectrum you're on that we're talking about today, The key here is that we all can struggle with getting food on the table. We can all struggle with figuring out what to eat next. And that's not a bad reflection on on us as even vegans, as people going through the transition. It's really just something that we all have to kind of work through because even as our lives change, as our lifestyles change, you know, sometimes, you know, the way we prepare and what we do changes. And that's why I think it's great to have cookbooks from individuals like yourself because they help us reconnect at times or they help us look at food differently. Or if we've always been trying to maybe get back to eating healthier, eating more, you know, simple, quick recipes, having a cookbook like yours can help us kind of maybe break through some of those barriers, some of those resistance, or maybe that brain fog that Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll experience at the end of the day too. Yeah, I love that story because sometimes it's our family members that remind us of the food that we have created. (laughs) That has been good, right? And it's not always a recipe, but sometimes I think too, when we're used to cooking seasonally and then we shift into a new season, sometimes we're kind of out of our rhythm for a little while and 
and we have to remember, oh, it's like these soups and stews that I love making. Or then you come into summer and it's, oh, I love grilling XYZ and, and just throwing it into a pasta. But sometimes we, so I think it might be useful to make a list, right? <laughs> these are these are quick dishes that I love to make because sometimes we forget and we all fall into our routines and food is totally a habit, right? As food is a learned um, habit. Our diet is very much a learned skill that we build over time and we grow with. And like you said, we change, right? We may start cooking with new ingredients, or maybe we have a food allergy that comes up from time to time. And then we have to start using different foods because we've been consuming one thing for a long time and our body's kind of resisting it. Like lots of things come up. But yeah, recipes can be, there's a saying that if you find one recipe in a cookbook, that you use and love, then it's been worth the purchase. Because that can be something you return to weekly, or you found one thing that just inspired you to cook something in a new way. Yeah, I would so wholeheartedly agree with that. Because it's, it's amazing when you can find a recipe that can be your go to, mm -hmm. or your recipe that you know, I always keep these items in stock in my fridge, always ready because it's a, you know, family favorite or house favorite, or even just a personal favorite, you know, um, for all my single folks that might be out there too, yep. um, because it's, it really can create a whole new kind of definition around comfort food that can still be wholesome, can still be healthy and still be tasty. Yes. Yes. And I love Gloria's comment about the freezing, cooking and freezing, because really that brings so much convenience into your world, right? In this book, I do this recipe renewal idea within the recipe. So for instance, if you cook this casserole this night, well, maybe a couple of days later after those leftovers are in the fridge, here's how you can renew them. Like here's how you can put a, a new twist on the recipe to serve it in a different way. And the same thing goes with freezing. If you're freezing soups or pasta sauce or something like that. Like sometimes you take it out and you can reinvent it in a new way and just kind of make uh, whatever's in your fridge right now, like take that extra item out. Maybe you've got a pasta sauce in the freezer, take it out. You've got rice there. And then it's not a pasta sauce. It goes over rice with veggies. That's perfectly fine too. It's kind of thinking outside of that box, but freezing those items, batch cooking, freezing soups and stews. I tell people all the time they can freeze hummus and they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yes, it freezes really, really well. But when you make a huge batch of it then and it's in the freezer, well, wow, you've got all this, you know, prepared food that's so much more affordable than buying it in the store and it tastes way better too. Yeah, I've heard about freezing hummus. I've never done it myself. So now I think I'm going to try it. I'm glad you're saying that because, you know, I've, I've heard the stories, but I really feel like I should do that now. I, I'm, I'm inspired. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I freeze it a lot. I mean, I have some in the freezer now and I freeze cashew and nut cheeses and spreads like that because they freeze quite well. And then thaw to use for, you know, this time of year, I really rely on soups and stews quite a lot. If I could live off of soups, I probably would. Um, I love them. And I just feel like you can have, you know, the best, most delicious meals in a bowl. 
pretty much. Yeah. And then sometimes it's just pairing it with a salad or maybe some sauteed greens or uh, maybe a you know a really crusty good bread with cashew cheese, and it's a delicious meal. It doesn't have to be super complicated, but something like a soup and a stew are those things that can be doubled, tripled, and then frozen. And yeah, it's it's very much a time saver. Wow, you're making me hungry. <laughs> Talking about all this good stuff, Gloria is excited as well. She is all into freezing hummus now as well. So you have two people. <laughs> already converted <laughs> and going to be, you know, reporting back. So as people watch this interview, as people are interested in getting their hands on your new book or just staying in touch with you and maybe being inspired to, you know, use some more of your recommendations, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you either on social media, your website or email? Uh, probably to pop to my site, dreamaburton.com, and uh, because they can get my social connections there as well, and they can email me through my site. And that's it's best to email. You know, there's sometimes when you get messages through social media, you don't even see them. You know that too, yeah. right? Like they get filtered into different folders. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> and then people get upset that you don't reply. <laughs> so um, it's, it's most, uh, most useful to uh, contact through the site. Perfect. Well, as we're coming to the end of our interview today, I always love it when we maybe get some words of wisdom from our guests. You know, we've been going through some crazy challenging times mm. lately for many of us. It's also just as we think about pivoting, as we think about kind of one of the themes of these sessions that we do is the idea that we're always kind of changing as we run our businesses, as we, you know, even talked about earlier in today's segment about, you know, the, the journey from, you know, let's just get a cookbook out there yeah. to the world to, oh goodness, this can be my business. You know, are there any kind of words of wisdom that you'd like to leave our audience with or inspiration as um, we wrap up today's interview? Yeah, I think perhaps, uh, you know, for me, a perspective as a female too, just, we sometimes don't always value how much we have in our talents and our knowledge. And sometimes we have to examine it as if we are looking at ourselves from another person, like not looking at ourselves from within, mm -hmm. but as if someone else is looking at us and to show how much we're, we have to offer. Uh, because we can give so many directions with family and friends and children and pets and having that other perspective of us from an outsider, then we tend to value ourselves a little bit more. It's been a bit of a growth process for myself, like that worthiness aspect. I think a lot of women struggle with that. And in this arena of being very compassionate, we especially struggle with it. So to know that like you're not alone in that, number one. And number two, you really do have worthwhile gifts to share and should be valued for those things. Oh, that was wonderful. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that and brought that up because, you know, sometimes it can be hard to, you know, to see ourselves from another person's perspective or yeah. see ourselves even outside of ourselves. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with you as females. This is a, it's an interesting journey for many of us. It's a little bit of a discovery of yeah. ourselves. 
and a discovery of ourselves over time, you know, as we get older, yeah, you know, we see ourselves differently, our place in the world differently, our impact in the world differently. So I'm really glad that you reminded all of us, even me included, to make sure we, you know, take that, that moment to, to appreciate. Yeah. Lovely. Very well said. Thank you. Mm. So thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate you, you know, not only getting just caught up with you a little bit on how things are going. It was nice to just chat about your new book. I'm really excited about it and finding my at least one, but I'm sure there'll be more than one (laughs) recipe that I will add to my repertoire. So I'm excited um, and looking forward to that as well as I'm really excited about that hummus. <laughs> I'm going to go tell somebody as soon as I get off today's session. <laughs> hey, we can even talk about desserts today and we're excited. Usually I get excited when I talk about desserts, but yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a big hummus and dip person. Like I oh, love okay. cucumbers, like raw cucumbers. I chop them up, especially for work. For me, you know, I tend to be working throughout mm-hmm. the day and I need a snack. And I've been trying to get away from, you know, like the chips and all uh-huh. that stuff. Uh-huh. And cucumbers give me that snap that yes. I like. Yes. But like you said, store-bought hummus is, eh, yeah. it's okay. I eat it, but I kind of get tired of it. Yeah. But if I can freeze it, and then you take it to work. Right, there you go. You're like my oldest daughter. She loves like savory snacks and that kind of stuff. And I'm all about the desserts and sweets, like my middle girl. So um the, the youngest falls into both ranges, but <laughs> I, just, I might be a little bit about oh, both. Okay. <laughs> Truth be told, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. But maybe we'll do another session again and we'll talk about desserts because I'm sure people will be really interested in it as well as, you know, I'm sure there'll be another cookbook probably in it your might. future. So <laughs> we'll be talking about that and it would be great to just, you know, stay in touch and keep everyone up to date on all the great contributions that you continue to make for us. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me and welcoming me. And your voice is beautiful to listen to as well. So uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. And thank you everyone who joined us live. I really appreciate it when you show up and participate. It's so wonderful to see the questions and the comments and also just you know, following through as we're going through this interview, as well as anyone who's watching this as a replay, feel free to post in the comments. We check them out. We respond to them as well. And we love, love, love our podcasters out there that are downloading and watching and listening to these interviews. So thank you everyone for being here and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pivot our vegan business interview podcast. This is recorded as a live streaming session. So I hope you'll join us for future interviews as well. We offer these interviews to help vegan entrepreneurs stay connected with the vegan business community. If you're interested in more in-depth insights or training, please consider subscribing to one of our premium podcasts, Going Solo or Fix It. Visit veganmainstream.com to learn more or click on the links in the show notes.